Welcome to Rise and Thrive, Conversations for Greatness. We bring you captivating conversations with extraordinary individuals who have conquered challenges, achieved greatness, and are making a positive impact in the world. This is your go-to source for inspiration and motivation. I'm your host, John Merkis. Today, I'm thrilled to bring you a conversation with a person whose presence radiates positivity and leaves you feeling uplifted with every interaction. Our guest is not just a successful businessman, but an exceptional husband and father to three wonderful kids. Not only is he an accomplished educator with a bachelor's degree in education, but he's also committed himself wholeheartedly to making a lasting impact in the world. He has traversed the globe. He carries with him a remarkable positive energy that is truly infectious. And when the moment calls for it, He's known to deliver an incredible hug. Join me in extending a warm welcome to the one and only Matt Greening. Thank you, John. I think I can hear the crowds cheering in the background. <laughs> I need to add side, uh, side effects, not side effects, no, sound effects. <laughs> I need to add sound effects for that kind of stuff. And thanks for joining me. I know you're a dedicated listener to the show, so it's really lovely to have someone that has listened to every episode come on and be a guest and I hope it's a real buzz for you later when you when you hear it back and you can hear it yourself of course I'm the number one ticket holder I love it I love it so I want to start with something now I am going to give you full license to not be humble to bathe in the glory and I want to read you something and then I'm going to ask you something about it okay hit me if Matt says he'll do something, he does it. He always finds the time to help out colleagues and is as a reliable person as you'll ever meet. He does this all with a smile on his face and a wink in his eye. One of the most genuine and trustworthy people I've ever had the pleasure to work with. Now, someone has said that about you, and I think that is great and remarkable because I'm remarking on it. So I want to ask you, why do you think that person said that about you? I don't know, but I'd like to have a chat to them. Um, <laughs> I, I think that I, I'd pride myself in, in my day-to-day -day of being responsive to, to, to people, um, even if sometimes the questions are probably not best directed towards me, and just being helpful. I don't know. I've always had a, a degree of self-satisfaction in service, I guess, in serving people and helping people. Mm. Um, and I guess I try to bring people along for the ride as well, where they're seeing me behave in that manner, a helpful, happy-go-lucky kind of guy, and hopefully that they'll emulate that as well. Yeah, so you're having a positive impact with the people that you interact with, and I love that uh, sense of service and helping as you go along, and that I can hear that mindset of some... I've, I've met some people that have a mindset of that's not my job, and that doesn't sound like you have that mindset. And that allows you to connect with more people and, um, and be of service to more people. And you've also left a, a very lasting impression on this particular person. I, I hope to. I hope to indirectly, you know, rub off on some people. I, I don't like using touch so much, but rubbing off is probably more, more my, uh, my, my vein. So. I think either way, I'm, I'm happy with it. And uh, I wanted to also ask you about your Bachelor of Education? It was an interesting one. Um, it wasn't something that I ever saw myself doing in getting into education. Mm -hmm. Certainly when I finished uh, high school in the late 80s, uh, 1990 actually I finished high school, Jobs were a job market was very different here in Victoria, Australia. Um, there weren't a lot of avenues for young males um, living in the country. Certainly my enjoyment of sports and success on the sporting field led me into a Bachelor of Education with a focus on PE teaching physical right. education mm -hmm. and that was a, a wonderful experience for me for the time that I was in teaching. I didn't ex ever see myself standing in front of a group of kids directing them on how to kick a drop punt or to you know do a frosby flop but it was something that I that I embraced and something that while I did it I, I loved doing. Yes because I know you've moved on from there but what a great platform to start with in terms of learning and developing yourself and then passing that on to others. Now is that what had you go to Dubai? 
Yeah, it was a, a girl I met who I ended up marrying who said one day, do you want to go and teach overseas? And I must have been distracted when I said yes, because I can't actually recall that conversation. And the next thing you know, we had a principal flying out to Melbourne to interview us. And the first question that she asked was, will you be married uh, if we give you the job? To which I said, there's your proposal, honey. Oh, that's a... <laughs> That's amazing. So, so it's because of this offer to teach in Dubai and they've said, obviously for cultural reasons or whatnot, they prefer you to be, to be married. And so that was the uh, kind of default proposal. Just fast-tracked what was going to be inevitable anyway. So, Of course, of course. And how long have you been married now? I would say 17 years. 18, 18 next year, so... Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So like you say, inevitable. You can tell that by the by the test of time. So what about going to Dubai? Because that's, that's pretty uh, – uh, and how many years ago – well, that was over 17 years ago, right? Or so did you get married here and then go or did you have – Yes. You... So it was straight from the interview, straight to the registry office, register a wedding, sell the house, sell the cars and head off into the wild blue yonder. Arrived on probably the hottest day I ever experienced in my six years in the UAE with a big chamois, a big sandstorm. Um, and I looked at my then bride and said, what have we got ourselves into? Um, <laughs> but that being said, we, we planned to stay for two. We ended up staying for six, had our first boy uh, born over there, uh, Jack. And um, yeah, it's really, I think that experience from those times in the UAE allowed me to achieve the greatness that I can achieve in a day to day. I don't think without that experience, I'd be doing what I'm doing now. That's wonderful. So what a mindset of travel, throwing it out there kind of thing, whatever the words are to be like adventurous, because it's quite a a different country and culture um, over there. And I just love that spirit of adventure that you and your uh, wife uh, went over to have. So you did say that it kind of gave you a bit of a foundation or led to some of the greatness that you're able to achieve these days. So I'm really interested in what were some of the things over there that happened or that you had to overcome or that you had to have a particular mindset to achieve some uh, greatness. I've got to say, in reflecting on it, and and I turned 50 uh, last year, uh, late last year, and it allowed me a a point in time for reflection on where I'd come throughout my life. And and, and in the lead up to today in in speaking with you, it allowed me to sort of look back with a critical eye over over my life. One thing that I I realised in hindsight was I wasn't much of a risk taker. I was such a very safe player in everything I did. I didn't go put myself out there that much. I didn't put myself in situations where I could potentially fail. And and I think that prevented me in, in dreaming big. Certainly in my time in the UAE, I was in a, a couple of schools, a couple of international schools. And the second one, I was in Dubai International Academy. Shout out to all the staff and students at Dubai International Academy. I It was a, an international baccalaureate school where it embraces that internationalism, but also embraces a number of different values that we tried to instill in our students. And as staff that are preaching uh, the, the IB, we also embodied, I guess, a lot of those values as well. It was became a part of our daily vernacular. Our school awards were around the IB values as well. And I think that international experience and that international school and that international mindset allowed me to take away some of those values into my day-to-day, whereas prior to that, I didn't have those focus, I guess, on my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did a little bit of re-research last night and went back over the the, um, the IB values, and I, I'd just like to share them with everyone, if that's okay. Please do. Um, so about being an inquirer, about being curious, being a knowledgeable person and happy to share knowledge, to be a thinker, a critical thinker, and to evaluate things. Being a good communicator, both verbally and, and in written communication. Being a principled person, you know, if you see something that's wrong, speaking up. Being open-minded and, and not being just so focused and closed-minded where you don't consider other options or other avenues. Being a caring person, being a risk-taker, and that's probably probably one of the biggest ones I can relate to, I guess, in, in our conversation. Being balanced, trying to find well-balance uh, in, in your life, and also being reflective, which is exactly what I'm doing right now. Reflecting mm. on your day-to-day, reflecting on the different hats that we wear in our lives. So, yeah. 
Yeah, wonderful. And I can see and hear those traits in that initial comment or that initial feedback that I read out to you of caring, good communicator, you know, all the things that you just mentioned. I could see that they were there. Now, it's interesting that you say that you didn't feel like you were a risk taker, although you went to Dubai as newlyweds into virtually the unknown uh, across the other side of the world to have an adventure. That sounds pretty risky to me. Yeah, but that was just to impress a girl, really, when you think about it. You know, she was she was the one for me and I, I would do anything for her. And, and um, you know, I was the type of guy initially who would buy a secondhand car, worry about the risk attached with buying a secondhand car. But in the test drive, I'd take it through a car wash just to make sure that the windscreen didn't leak or anything like that. That's how much of a safe player I was. Through to someone that was hanging out of a sunroof of some beaten up car near the Israeli border as I was on my way to the Dead Sea. Um, I went from one extreme to the other pretty quickly. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how the women in our lives uh, propel us forward to do things we might not do otherwise? I agree. I agree. Wonderful, wonderful. Anything else about Dubai that you'd like to share? Because it's just, it it sounds very... uh, exotic if if you haven't been there it's 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 a distant it's a distant world you've been there for six years you've shared those incredible values with us which i'll definitely have in the show notes so uh, we can uh, recall those ourselves as we uh, as we listen or after we listen or even before we listen but uh, what about uh, is there anything that happened to you in dubai that you can uh, that you can recall that you can share with us The whole experience was interesting. I remember um, when we arrived in the UAE, uh, we were actually in the Emirate of Sharjah, which is very conservative. Uh, You need to speak Arabic to actually, you know, go grocery shopping, that type of thing, whereas Dubai far more cosmopolitan. But I remember going out onto the uh, the soccer pitch and my wife was being the PE teacher at that school at that stage. And we saw this glint off in the far, far distance on the horizon. And we weren't quite sure what that was, a really bright reflective light. And we came to find in the first couple of weeks we were there, it was the the start of the building of what is now known as the Burj Khalifa. And it was quite interesting that in the time we were there, which was really a golden age in the UAE with their their development and their growth from 2006 through to 2012, that when my son was born and and on the night of his his birth, uh, they had the opening of the Burj Khalifa. And we looked out of the hospital windows and saw amazing fireworks display as they opened it. So we feel that like our, our time in the UAE bookended the building of that one building. And so when we see it on the news or when it's a Lego display that my, my kids might buy, we, we reflect on that time and, and what we saw change in that period of time too while that amazing building was being built. What a great experience and to have a bookend like that and for them to put on fireworks just for you and the birth of Jack. That's that's marvellous. <laughs> yes, 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 I'm sure he thinks of it that way, yes. <laughs> the reason I say that as well, it rings a bit of a bell with me because when uh, my parents came uh, to Australia as migrants, when their firstborn was born, uh, my dad heard the church bells as he left the hospital. He thought that they put them on for him because he came from a small town and they might have done that for a birth of someone else, but not in a not in a big capital, not in a big major city of a yeah, country. That's, that's so uh, I'm, I'm glad. Let's... Um, hmm. Let's say that, that, that they were for Jack. That's awesome. Mm. Now, now, one, now one thing, John, I'm going yes. to jump in. Um, yeah. One thing that Jack had picked me up on recently, and he noticed it in a lot of the conversations I have with adults, is often I inquire, because I'm, I've been focused in education and I still work in education, he, mm. he noticed that often when I'm meeting people, I ask them an unusual question. Mm. And that unusual question is, what, was, uh, what school did you go to? Mm-hmm. And often I find in, in asking that, I, I get to learn a lot about the people before they say, you know, what their career is and what their job is and how that sometimes defines them. Sometimes I find that the schooling experience that people had has led them on the pathway to where they are now. Mm, mm. And so for you, where did you go to school, John? Well, thank you, Matt. That's a very nice of you to ask. And I really like the question and what you think about it because it has so many possibilities for answering and it is a question that is, to put some judgment on it, better than a small talk question. Oh, how's the weather? Or, you know, that's, that's, you know, sometimes that's appropriate depending on your situation. But I love that question because it shows you're interested and it can lead to a really 
good conversation for greatness. Well, or just a great conversation. So having said all of that, I went to a school in primary school and it was three doors down from my home. Wow. And so imagine as a parent now, I think, oh, how good, you know, see you later, kids, and you know they're, they're going to make it because they're three doors down and then they're at school and, and that they're safe and that's the main thing as a parent you, you want to make sure of. And I had a great experience there. It was a, a small school. And then for high school, I, as a career, there was three things I thought that I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a builder. I thought I wanted to be in the army or I wanted to be an air steward. Quite, uh, quite different vocations, I thought. Those were the things that, that had inter- interested me. But this building one really had me at the time. And so all the boys went to a school called St. Bede's, and that was an all-boys school. And all the girls went to a school called Star of the Sea, which was all girls. And being in a co-ed school, I uh, wanted to continue that. I didn't want to go to an all-boys uh, school. And I wasn't able to go to the all-girls one. So... Sandringham Technical School taught was like a trade-focused tech school. And so I thought, great, I can go there. It's co-ed. It's not too far from home. And I can learn to be a builder. Bob's your uncle and Fanny's your granny. And it took me a really short time to learn that I had no skill in that area whatsoever. And I really do respect all the tradespeople out there what I found was was about measuring a lot and I just didn't want to spend my day measuring things all, all day. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. Now, I know there's a lot more to it than that, but that's, as a child, as a kid, that's what occurred to me. So I ended up doing applied science at a tech school and business studies. So when you do business studies at, at, a, at a tech school, you're there doing law, economics, typing, things like that with all the girls, because all the guys are doing the trade stuff. So I ended up spending a lot of time with with the girls. But the main thing that I learned about that is my touch typing, I learned how to touch type on a typewriter, and that has a, is a skill that has given me so much, I was going to say pleasure, but it's helped me so much throughout my working career and, and still does today, so I can type very fast. I went to a, a, a similar type of school, but I, I was in country Vic, rural Victoria. And yep. the school, when I started there, I was in year four, uh, primary school. And we uh, pretty much when I finished year 12, we had the exact same children in the class, about you know, 20, 25 of us. And it was an interesting school in that it was a TAFE school, but also a high school as well. So we got to do that touch typing, and of which I cheated in, I'll admit now. Sorry, Mr. Adams, I did blow on the piece of paper that was covering our hands during the typing test to actually eyeball <laughs> eyeball the keys. I just do a gentle stream of air that would lift it up and I could actually see. So sorry, Brett, I did I did cheat on that touch typing test and it's probably held me back a little bit in more recent years. But yes, there's a, there's an admission of, of guilt right there. But um, it's a really it's a really good skill and I've noticed uh, the kids today are good at typing, but I don't know if they actually do the do touch typing but i know that you know this is how they communicate well it's actually it's ironic you you touch on that with my involvement in education it's with an it focus and a a lot of schools in in australia a lot of kids sorry uh, in years five and years three and five and seven and nine do a naplan testing each year um, Mm -hmm. and that requires typing as part of it so a lot of schools with the advent of, of ipads that don't come with a physical keyboard are now explicitly teaching typing to students, knowing that they full well will need that skill when it comes time to do this test. That is uh, fantastic. I'm really happy to hear that because when I see people that can't do it, I think, oh, you know, you could just be saving so much, so much time uh, by doing that. So awesome. Good to, good to hear. Good to hear. And now I, I understand a bit better about your passion for sport, having learned that uh, as as a young man and then taught that both here in Australia and overseas. So I was wondering, what is it about sport that inspires you? Um, I think sometimes the the acts of some individual players where they perform at a level uh, above themselves and above what we've seen, you know, recently in the, uh, the, the cricket, um, we've seen some amazing batting um, by Glenn Maxwell, which has set records and that type of thing. Um, but I, I find, and I found in my adult life, that sporting clubs and sporting groups 
have a, a sense of community that extends far past the, the playing field. So I am on the committee of my, my son's junior football club, a local junior football club here in Victoria. And, and I see that the, how that does bring people together and the great things that come out of that. It's, it's something where, you know, I talked earlier about service and it's something that I, I am continuing, I guess, in a different avenue now where I'm serving my community as part of that club. Yeah, so about bringing people together, a sense of community, achieving something together is yeah, what I was thinking about. Yeah, it's about. the success, success on the, on the, in, in the, the meeting room that is extending to the playing field. So we're looking at different mm. ways of you know, raising funds for the club, getting better sporting equipment, bringing in external parties for training for the, stu- for yeah. the children. Yeah. It's, it's quite good, better than I anticipated it to be. Now, people define success and or greatness in different ways, and you touched on it a little bit there, but I, I was wondering, how do you define success and how might have that, has that definition maybe changed over time? I was listening to a recent podcast of yours where Matt was on, and he was talking about it being, greatness being a, an, an event or being something that, that we strive for, a, a goal, but I don't see it that way. I, I disagree with Matt. And I would say that I, I define greatness as, as a process where you are constantly learning back to those IB values, International Baccalaureate Values I talked about. We are constantly learning to, to self-improve. And it may be where you're learning a new skill, where you're learning a new discipline. You know, I've, I've uh, not, not hobbies so much, but I've, I've got involved in a number of different things where I'm trying to be that balanced person, that well-rounded person where I'm, I'm learning of things that I normally wouldn't expect myself to be involved in. So yes, I think success and greatness is people that are always looking to to achieve, even, even small you know, successes. Um, I know you've talked previously about showing gratitude and, 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 and thinking about, I, I listened last night of you talking about, you know, when you put your head on the pillow, you talk about how you, you think of three things and they don't necessarily have to be big things like, you know, you got the job, but certainly I think trying to to have little successes along the way uh, is something you should strive for and i think that that challenge in in achieving those things is what you know propels us forward in our lives yeah wonderful wonderful and yeah the other matt because the other my second matt uh, on the show he talked about greatness as the outcome and you're talking about it as part of the process part of our lives yes yeah on, on a daily basis great so with everything that you do, you know, you're super dad, super husband, got a great business, involved in the community, in sporting, uh, in sporting area. What are some of the habits or rituals that you do to keep yourself going? Because I would imagine, you know, sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes there might be some sleep needed <laughs> because you're so busy you might not be getting as much so and we all have that we all have that in our lives and so I ask you because I think if there's some things you're doing that can remind the listeners of some things that they might have been doing that they are not doing at the moment or they could be brand new th- things and uh, so I just really like to understand from our guests what are those things that you do to really help uh, propel you and contribute to your uh, well-being. I guess uh, Emily touched on it in one of your earlier casts as well, where she talked about, actually, they were your words. It was, uh, don't just think it, ink it. I'm a big believer in that. Um, Certainly in my day-to-day, my work life, I use uh, Microsoft OneNote as as a tool for recording what I achieve, but also to, to allow me to put my future plans in place. So instead of me ruminating on an idea and, 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 and maybe, uh, overly worrying about things, I, I will write it down for tomorrow and it's a task mm. that I will then address tomorrow when it's time to address it. So certainly I, I, I recording and writing what you've achieved and certainly what you're wanting to achieve in a work sense is a mm. wonderful thing for my peace of mind, I guess, and for my sleep as well. You know, wake up 3am and you have this thought about something that you wanted to maybe follow up on, I'll jot it down put it aside and then deal with it the next day. One big thing that I've, I've found, I always pride myself in having a really good memory. You know, from my early teaching days in country Victoria, I went from a 43 student school through to a, you know, 300 student school. And when I moved to Melbourne in the early 90s, I, I, my, the school I was at had a thousand children. And I was a PE teacher at the school and a little bit of IT. And I had to remember all of their names. And that wow. was uh, a big 
challenge and something that I I practiced and something I worked at, and I think that's extended into my my adult life too, in the recall of names and people's faces. And one thing I, I I'm finding in my older age, with the number of different things we need to remember, is that sometimes our memory can be a bit of an enemy and maybe not necessarily our best of friends. So often what I'm trying to do, and a part of my responsiveness, is to try not to remember anything and to act immediately. So if well, I've, I've got to say more about that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just find that, that, yeah, the best way to remember things is to not remember, is to actually address them as soon as you possibly can and that way you don't need to recall it so you know i'll get a text message to someone can you please give me a call when you've got a moment i'll call them immediately if i can and and address what they're wanting so it feels sometimes like my life is one long i don't know steeplechase run long hurdles hurdles race um, that, that never ends but i just try to address things as soon as i can and then put them to the side or put them behind me where I don't actually have to come back on. I've been working gotcha. with a with a large secondary school in assisting them with a, a big IT infrastructure change. And we uh, had put in a request for equipment and with the global uh, constraint on, on IT hardware, we were given a, a lead time of 12 months. And that's something that hasn't sat well with me because I don't like having to recall and go back to this this one task. I want to address it and then to move on with others. One thing I've also come to learn is that Motivation is a great thing to have, but it's far better to be a disciplined person in what you're doing. So, Ooh, yeah, okay, go for it. All right, so to show self-discipline means that you don't need to be motivated to do something. So in the case of, you know, uh, a gym routine, you know, to be disciplined and actually following a, a, a schedule where you might go, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and have your rest days, to be disciplined in doing that doesn't require you to be motivated. Yeah, right. Well, I could say to you, don't you need to be motivated to be disciplined? Possibly, but then we're sort of chicken and egg, catch-22 type thing there. But yes, yes, I, I think so. But I think if you if you strive to be a disciplined person and you yep. show that self-discipline, you don't need motivation. You don't rely on motivation to get you out of bed yeah. to go for that run or whatever it might be. Okay, yeah, gotcha. And uh, I love that that works for you how you say you want to get on to things and take action so you don't need to commit it to memory. So it's like, oh, I must remember to do that and, and, and adding to all the head miles that we all do, as well as writing down the things so they're out of your head and you can deal with them at the appropriate moment. I was uh, listening to a podcast the other day and the gentleman said, if you finish your day go to bed, go to sleep, whatever it is, whatever your finish is, and you don't know what you need to achieve tomorrow and haven't written it down, that's not going to serve you because then you're prone to going, oh, I must remember that, I should do that, or you wake up and you go, oh, um, you know, and you get yourself ready and go, well, what, what am I going to do now? It's like, well, if you've already got your, got your list there, it doesn't have to be 100 things long detail, but it's like, yeah, Today I want to achieve this and this and this. And I wrote that down yesterday. So I'm already primed my conscious and subconscious to be helping me work through and deal with that already. I found that was a, that was a, a really good tip because how often do we finish the day and go, oh, cool, that's, that's over. I'll go and do whatever now. And then you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. Well, you think it's in your mind, but it's not structured enough to be able to do and get the results as quick as what you'd like. Mm. I know in my teaching life, I'd, I'd actually put too much in my to-do list. And often I was then bumping what I didn't get achieved today that I'd planned to do today into the next day. And it became too much. And I, I've simplified it uh, a lot. And I'm fortunate in the industry that I'm in that I don't necessarily have too many things in that to-do list. Often my, mm -hmm. my role is quite uh, responsive um, and reactionary. Um, often, yeah, like you say, uh, what what <laughs> what occurs in my day um, is something that I often wake up not knowing. Um, and, right. and today I've had a number of different uh, requests and, and uh, uh, I guess, activities that I'm being involved in that I had no visibility of. Yes, they're, they're reasonable to uh, perceive them, but certainly they they hadn't come to me. So I do find in uh, in quiet times of the the academic year, you know, school holiday periods, that um, I'm often quite idle and not used to being idle. Where I'm used to actually being on a bit mm -hmm. of a conveyor belt, if you like, or a bit of a treadmill, where I'm running mm -hmm. at a million miles an hour and dealing with things as they come at me. Right. So 
rather than a list of things. And I can understand as a teacher, you would know well in advance what you're doing in a particular week of the of the term and things like that. So by nature of the work that you're doing, I would imagine it's more of a mindset that you've got to adopt to be open to service and uh, willing to help rather than here's 10 things that I want or five things that I need to make sure that I get done today. Pretty much, yeah. I, I, you know, the things that have come to me that I've addressed this morning already were things that, yeah, I, I didn't anticipate doing, but I've actually addressed them and I've moved on to whatever else my day has in store for me. Yeah, nice. Uh, thanks, because I hadn't thought about it that way before. Uh, so thank you for that. And I'm sure different uh, industries have, have there's some similarities. It's certainly what I'm doing in a day-to-day now is far, far different from my teaching days, and I quite like it. And so I'm interested in both your personal and your uh, business life. Uh, you can talk about the importance of self-belief and how that has had a role in your journey so far. So you talked about how things have changed and you feel like you're more a risk taker or you learned to you know do that kind of thing and so can you expand on that a little bit about them what what role has self-belief played in your journey so far i think it's interesting question john i often look looking back on things when i've involved myself in different schools that i've worked at over time and certainly my, my change in in work roles that I've had in, in more recent years, I often have experienced a bit of imposter syndrome for those first six months of the role. But it's then, mm-hmm. as, as you, I've eased myself into, into the role and become familiar with the roles that I've had, realising that I do have the ability to, to do the role and to perform the tasks of those different roles, be it a assistant principal in an international school and to, to a, a director of a small business that I, that I run now. It's, it's quite interesting where it's just taken me time to realize that I can do it, you know, and I, I often don't need anyone else to assist me in what I need to do. I just put my head down and, and propel myself forward and, and get the job done. It's interesting you talk about or you mentioned imposter syndrome because I think that many, 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 many people feel the same way in that, especially when you first start something, you think, oh, you know, can I do it? Should I be doing this? Or if you're in a career work sense well they gave me the job uh maybe they thought i was better than i was and then your own head is uh stopping you because we've said before you might recall in an episode we say having life's a conversation you're either having one with yourself or with someone else so the conversation you're having with yourself is i'm not good enough oh my god uh when are they going to find me out that i can't actually do this Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that you mentioned then over time you start to get that self-belief with the experience and you just do the best you can with what you've got at the time every day and then that feeling dissipates. Because when you think about it, no one would ever get an experience greater than what they are now if they didn't try something that they didn't know how to do. I agree. So, yeah, so... And I've heard the expression imposter syndrome used a lot lately. And yeah, I was just thinking about it in that way is that, yes, it's a thing, but I guess it's just an acknowledgement of, and how you frame it, an acknowledgement of, I don't know how to do this yet. And that's the important thing, yet. Yeah, in, in my day today, I'm I'm working with with schools, uh, government schools, um, and and helping them uh, find their next technical support person. And often, when I'm speaking with these young people and, and older people that are applying for these roles, they're often saying to me in the in the first few months in the role that they are, are feeling like an imposter, especially if it's a new career for them or a career change for them as well. And part of what I do in in my day-to-day role is to try and set these people up for success where I make them aware of imposter syndrome before they actually feel it and experience it themselves and and let them know that they've got it and if they don't have it then they've got me and my support team to to assist them anyway so I think when you when you are in a role that can be quite solitary and and where you don't necessarily have a lot of people um, behind you or beside you to, to have 
you know, uh, that's that's quite isolating, and that's where I I struggled in the first six months of the role that I have now. I I did enjoy getting the same question twice because <laughs> I knew the answer, but for yeah. the first six months, it was like every question was a new question for me, and I didn't necessarily know where to go to get that answer for for whatever it might be. Whereas now, in in the you know, I oversee about 130 people in 180 different organisations. I I want them to be successful. I want them to feel that they're supported because that support will allow them to achieve greatness in what they do what great support that is because that is a foundation for allowing people to thrive where you feel like you can ask questions you won't be judged you've you won't be uh given the uh, sack so to speak that's an australian expression you won't be told to leave the job or however you say it in in, in other organizations mm. And so I really applaud you for building that kind of culture in the places where, where you're working. And I can really appreciate how that would be a great foundation for people to thrive. And I've heard a friend of mine who's a recruiter say, we are more interested in recruiting for attitude than skill set. So skills can be learned attitude is a little harder to shape uh, and and uh, that also affects the culture so excellent day my man yeah well it, it, it's a, a day-to-day conversation with me that you know in the, the the role that I have and the people that I'm supporting they, they need three attributes and one is communication skills uh, certainly another is that desire that in a desire to want to help and serve people and then the mm. third aspect is having a technical ability you know in, in routine technical support and I think yeah. that if, if people are successful in two of those areas and strong in two mm. of those areas and deficient in one of them certainly I can I can assist them and help them um, but if they mm. struggle in uh, two or more then they're probably not cut out for the role that they, they are taking um, but yeah I, I find that in, in roles that I've had, the ones that I've really loved and enjoyed are the ones that I've been successful in, and that success has a knock-on effect with those that are around me. And so that's what I try to do with the technicians that I support, allow them to love what they're doing and enjoy what they're doing and, mm. and be successful in what they're doing, and then that has a benefit for the, the people that they're service, serving. And I love how some of these things cross over. So it's not just business related, it can be personal as well, because uh, if you need to be a good communicator in your work, you don't just switch that off when you get home, you can apply that to home as well. So I love how there's a there's a crossover. I always say you don't leave yourself uh, at the door when you turn up to work, you, you bring yourself and if you can bring your best, best self and be supported in the way that uh, that you're saying, uh, then you can thrive. That is that is fantastic. I'd want to work at your place, mate, with you. That would be interesting. <laughs> That's all I'll say on that one, John. <laughs> Especially when, if I get up there and say, hey, you're either having a conversation with yourself or with somebody else. That's life. That's it. That's it. I go, oh, my God, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I just want my, st- my computers fixed. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> oh, nice. in t- I'm really interested in who inspires you. That's a tough one. And that was a uh, one that I, I, I don't necessarily have a – direct answer for it's not one individual people i think if i look throughout my life and reflect on my, my life there's people that have, have have come into my life some people that are still in my life um who've who've encouraged me and supported me and i guess they're the people that you know not necessarily people who believe in in you or, or give you praise or give you recognition for the work that you do but maybe some attributes of people that i've come across throughout my professional life and personal life that 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 I would like to emulate in what I'm doing. In my early teaching experience, one thing that my university did very, very well was to give me a variety of experiences. And what I was able to do in that time was take away some great practices that I saw from some of the educators that I was working with. And when it came time for me to be an independent teacher with my own class of students, I borrowed from the tools that they had and made them my own and allowed me to, you know, uh, to, to... have my own recipe of success, I guess, with Mm. with the students that I had. And I guess I've done that into the role that I have now where I've had colleagues and I've had uh, friends in a personal personal life who I've seen the way they conduct themselves and the way they they um, perform and I've, I've borrowed from, from their, those attributes. So I'm good at mimicking, I guess, others and, mm. and taking away great ideas and using them for my own. But I wouldn't say it's one individual person who I'd go, mm. 
you know, Mahatma Gandhi. Um, he was amazing. I want to be like him. But I've, I've borrowed from, from those. And two, the, the, the attributes I feel that I can emulate. Well, you look good in a toga. But apart from that, I really like your attitude and what, what you said there because we do learn from other people. And, and if there are people that are teaching you or showing you or you think, yeah, I'd like to do that or when that happens to me, I'd like to respond that way or, you know, however it is, taking the best from uh, others and using it and putting your own flavour on it, I think that's a great uh, that's a great way to uh, rise and thrive, so to speak. A friend of mine says the there's no – we talked about uh, music in a previous episode and, and one of his sayings that sticks with me all the time is there are no new notes. So there are no new musical notes. They're all they're all there on the charts. Yep. It's just a matter of how you put them together, and you can add your flavour on it. But but they're there for the taking. Yeah, and I think too, you know, just on that backing yourself, I think as well. Um, you know, in a couple of uh, roles that I've had over time, some people have said, "Oh, you know, I wish you wouldn't do that. You're sort of making us look bad by by going out and doing that type of thing." Um, and and. In reflection on those comments, it made me think. Well, maybe I just need to, to to play it safe and to to not stick my neck out, so to speak. But certainly in the role I have now, I've uh, you know I was I tried to just blend in for the first couple of years with my, my work colleagues, and I didn't try to stick my neck out or stand out. But what I've done over time, I guess, is, is seen things that I felt need to be implemented, some practices that I felt could have benefit to to one or multiple people, and I've just backed myself and gone with it and and uh, you know developed a plan and got some consultancy advice and that type of thing as well and and I just continue to forge my own path in the hope that maybe others will see what I'm doing in my professional work life and maybe go well you know that's something that I might like to to do myself so I just uh, for clarification what did you mean when you said oh people are saying you're making us look bad oh it would okay it was a, a it was a, a I won't say the employer, um, but it was a company, a large uh, big box company in, a, in Australia that I was working for at the time in their service industry. And what I was wanting to implement was um, professional feedback to the, the employees. It was something the company hadn't done before, something I borrowed from my teaching days. And so what I started doing for the region that I was overseeing and those staff that I was uh, the manager for is I implemented performance feedback. A performance feedback process and my colleagues that I was working with at the time felt that I was implementing processes that they weren't comfortable in actually doing themselves and they just wanted me to be a, a quiet achiever and just to sit, sit, sit in the corner so to speak and to not try new things or to do new things. Mm. Yeah. Interesting that uh, and I totally get it interesting that the possibility of getting feedback was pretty scary for them and providing feedback i think that was that was it more for them you know i'd come from being an assistant principal in a large international school through to a manager for a, an adult tech force mm. and and they hadn't been they'd been part of that tech force themselves and hadn't managed people so they hadn't provided feedback to others and they didn't feel comfortable in doing that right was probably in more giving... to the point Okay, in giving feedback to others. Well, I guess that's a skill as well, and that, that, that can be learned. One of the things about feedback that there's many things, many facets to it, but uh, in a previous life we were talking about feedback, and one of the biggest things that came out of it was you can actually ask the person you want to give feedback to how do they like to have their feedback delivered and uh, that makes a big difference rather than going hey i want to tell you this and what about that and what about this it's like if we had some feedback for you how would you like that do you want it direct do you want us to uh you know mention all the great things you're doing because you're doing all great things in a couple of areas for improvement or you're just not interested at all and uh and that that's a that's an interesting concept to then deliver the feedback and the communications to uh, um, to the person or the or the people in a way that they like it. So you've, I'm sure you've heard the uh, expression "feedback is the breakfast of champions." Mm-hmm. Indeed, and I, I think it is. Getting back to sport, all sporting people they get feedback all the time. Some immediate, or you're in the middle of a game and you pause and you have a timeout to get feedback so you can keep going. So I think it's something that really can propel you to greatness if you're open to it. And it, 
I got to be honest, it took me a while to be open to it. I agree. Um, I, I, I do find in, and you're talking the sporting field, I do often find in, in with my PE teaching background, observing junior coaches, providing feedback to children as a, mm. as a parent, spectator on the sidelines. But it's interesting at the level of detail and the amount of feedback sometimes that the children are receiving on the sporting field. I think that, you know, if you keep it simple, you know, keep it to two or three things. I think Emily talked about that with her, her dance school on a previous episode, you know, keeping the feedback relevant timely and and also brief to a degree and on on you mm. know the the one two three things that you might want to focus on can help yeah. put people on the right path maybe if they're not not uh, on track so that's something that i have learned to do i know in my early yeah. teaching days certainly you're giving children feedback all the time but when i moved into mm. leadership roles within a school um, i wasn't great at giving adults feedback and it's something that i've really push myself to, to do and often now with my workforce that i'm dealing with they're not receiving necessarily feedback directly from the leadership teams in their school and that feedback is coming in directly via me back to that individual and often that's not well received they're they're wondering why i have to be necessarily involved in that feedback trail mm -hmm. and i often say well you're getting feedback um, i think regardless of where it's coming from it's something that you need to embrace and and to take on board and and hopefully we can work together to put practices in place to, to address that feedback. So, Well, it's actually a gift and it's really interesting. As a teacher, you had the implied permission to give feedback because you're teaching and, and, and I guess that's what's expected so, so the kids can learn and grow. But you really need permission in other environments to be able to, uh, to give it. Indeed. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, now Matt. John, oh, sorry. I'm oh, gonna, you got another one for me, have you? I've got, I've got another one for you. I've really been inspired by some of the, the quotes that you've been sharing uh, with us um, yeah. via your, your, your social posts and, and, and your, your commentary on your podcast. But I came across a quote that I can't necessarily relate to, but I thought it was, it was quite thought-provoking. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the quote was, or the comment was, how big would you dream if you knew that you couldn't fail? Mm. It's a good one, isn't it? And it's something that I, I've spent a little bit of time, not a lot of time, in, in thinking. Mm. And, and I, I, you know, back to my comment about being a risk taker, you know, if you, if you knew that you wouldn't fail, how big would you dream? How, how hard would you push yourself? What, what would you invest in yourself to, for, for success and for greatness if you, if you knew that failure, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, um, mm. but if, if there was no ability to fail what would you achieve or what would you try mm. and achieve mm. that's your question to me right yes but something maybe to ponder at another time Nece not necessarily right oh now. mate no i'm happy to answer yeah, it and yeah, i'm happy to yeah. and i'm happy and i'm happy to talk about the question it's awesome so what i find is that uh we limit ourselves uh whether it's by our surroundings our circumstances our own minds we limit ourselves and so what i love about that question is that it gives you permission to break through the limits and imagine and use your mind to see where you could go. And it's fun to think about what, what would I do? And then once you think about those things and if there's something in that that really inspires you, I feel like that can really draw you into it. So rather than charging to it and going through the hard yards and sludging through to some kind of dream. It's a dream that inspires you, that you're passionate about, that pulls you towards it. And that's what I like about the question and the possibilities that it can give you as a person, as a mindset to make you happy, you know, because those thoughts are really thoughts of happiness Yeah. Uh, to think about what, what would I, what would I really be doing? And this is part of the reason why I've started the podcast because I always wanted to have my own radio show and uh, and also be a international speaker and an author. I'm working on the book, but through the podcast, I'm uh, now speaking into 15 countries, which is totally amazing. And I've just, it's just, again, that's been a dream and it's being fulfilled via this medium. Yeah, and 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 that's that's what I I was quite interested in to learn today of your dreams about being an air steward and about being a builder. What was the third one? In the army. In the army, 
you know, I, I didn't know about you. And, and you think about to your mindset when you had those aspirations, you probably weren't maybe as we're aware today of the potential failures you could have in those pursuits. So sometimes that childlike, what do you want to be when you grow up type of thing is, mm. is the, the children are not seeing the potential risks and they're not seeing failure. Mm. And, and that's why they're having those big dreams, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, and that's why you say and you're going to succeed or fail is not an option, however you want to word it, because often what we do, especially as adults, we'll think about something that we want to do and then the next thought we have will be how we can't do it or why we shouldn't do it. And so that question eliminates that. It's like we're not talking, we don't worry about the how right now. Let's just focus on what would it be? What would it be? Hmm. And, you know, the old journey rather than, than the, uh, the destination, it's all, it's all about the journey rather than the destination, I really can relate to that because the destination is just a small piece of time. The most of the time you spend is on the journey. So love that yeah. and dream about where you want to go and enjoy that and put yourself in a vibration and a thinking and a mindset of uh, of what it would be like to achieve that. I mean, there's a great example of Jim Carrey and his and his acting. He would go up to the Hollywood Hills and uh, um, play in his mind what the feelings would be like if he was asked by a major Hollywood director to be in a movie and be paid more than ten million dollars. And he would literally feel the feelings of that actually that that actually happened. And he would do that on a constant basis. And whether you believe in uh, in the, all the cosmic stuff or the new age stuff or the vibrational or, you know, whatever you believe or don't, the fact is that this individual did that and that's what happened to him. So I think there's something in that and I think that what you think is so important to the, with the quality of life that you're going to have. So just say that didn't happen to Jim Carrey. He's having a great night. He's in the Hollywood Hills feeling great about something and using his mind and his thoughts to feel great. So I just think that's a win-win all around. Yeah. It, it touches on what Emily talked about, that visualisation as well. But back to, uh, and I keep talking about Emily and Matt, sorry, throughout the, the cast, but they were amazing episodes. Um, you know, Matt talked about, uh, when you asked him about achieving greatness, about you getting to achieve something and then you realise that that's not it. There's still more. And I often relate that to to maybe a, a train ride where you you get to that destination you get to that one station but you actually pass through that station and there's another destination ahead so really yes the journey isn't is more important than the destination because the journey does surpass that destination at times too i think that's part of the human condition and why as a species we evolve and continue to evolve because you think you're going to be satisfied with wherever you've got to or wherever you're going. You know, once this happens, then I'll be that. Once this happens, then I'll be that. Where, uh, as a species that needs to constantly evolve, we always need to be going to the next place. Always need to be going to the next place. So, um, as a species, we can survive. How many times can you say species in one response? But I think you've just set the record right there. <laughs> I think I've just done it. Yes. <laughs> hey, talking about records, I've got to share with you something that I just found out this week. Please. This podcast is in the top 25% of podcasts in the world. Congratulations. That's amazing. Well done. And as the number one ticket holder, I want to thank you for all your love and support with this journey. And it's meant so, so much to me, as it does with every person that can hear us right now. I really want to thank you for tuning in and listening because you're making a difference to my life and to other people's lives because the more people that can hear messages of positivity and inspiration, I think the world's going to be a better place. So thank you if you're listening and uh, share it so other people can listen and uh, we will have some great guests as a result of that. 
Sorry to chime in on that one, Matt, but I just no, no, that I'm, blew I'm, me I'm, away. I'm looking forward to future episodes. I've really enjoyed what you've you've been able to to share so far, and I've certainly been thinking a lot about that uh, of late, both the, the experience of Matt and, and Emily in particular. Uh, and, and so I'm looking forward to, to future guests that you have on the show because I think it's back to what I talked about about the, the 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 people that I've met throughout my life that have inspired me to do things. I'm looking for inspiration from your podcast. No pressure, John. No pressure. <laughs> no worries. Well, that's the mantra. So that's the that's what we want to deliver. So if we're delivering, which uh, is my, which is what I'm committed to, you'll get it, baby. You will get it. Now, let's say I come to you, Matt. I'm I'm a bit stuck. So Matt, things aren't going as well as I'd like them to be. Uh, I've got a few concerns and a few worries. What would your advice be to me? A problem shared is a problem halved often so to to speak up and to to yeah to to, to let me know you know what the, the issue is and and i would see if i'm the best person potentially to assist you with that or to put you in touch with people who could it's something i experience on a daily basis you know i uh, the name of my company not a plug necessarily because i'm quite uh, boutique and I, I don't uh, have customers as such but my company is called rocket solutions i'm very solution focused in what i do in a day-to-day the rocket refers to the rocket that you might get from your boss if you're not doing a great job not necessarily the spaceship so you know uh, the, yeah it's a bit of a, a conundrum i guess the name of my my company but it's really you either get a rocket or you come up with a solution um and I, i'm very very solution focused so often i find in some of the the meetings i'm involved with i'm often so solution focus that I feel compelled to be a part of the answer of a problem that's not necessarily always the case sometimes it's other people or the people involved that need to come to that solution themselves so um, I, I do find it difficult at times to be sitting back and to not offering advice and to not offering suggestions or solutions but certainly in my day to day I I provide a lot of professional advice uh, advice is probably a word that I use far far too often but often, too, the advice isn't necessarily professional. Sometimes it's it's of a personal nature, too. In some of the staff that I, I manage, I, I, I'm a proxy dad to some of them where I'm providing them with fatherly advice um, that I might give to my own children. Yeah, and this is what I mean. What's some of that advice that you might have had to give in, in the past? Sometimes it's just relationship advice. It's about maybe uh, uh, on a professional vein about, you know, training that you might want to undertake or or even just some pursuits. You know, I, I, sometimes it's, um, you know, uh, young thing back to my teaching days, it's, it's children that are, are, are shy and, and regressive and, and, and regressive. That's probably not the word I'm looking for, probably more just timid. And, you know, encouraging to, to go to the, a local acting school or a community theatre and to get involved in, in that. Um, not necessarily Toastmasters where it's all quite formal and that, but more, more so in, in, in giving yourself experiences that allow you to not say, I'm shy, I can't do that, but to, to address that shyness. My own son has really found a passion in, in theatre and something that he, I see a lot of joy that he gets from that at, at quite an early age. And I often think... Uh, I'm often envious in um, that I haven't quite found that passion in a pursuit. You know, I love my sport, but I've, it's not something I'm hugely passionate about as far as, uh, as much as he is passionate about drama and theatre. So, yeah, I think it's just encouraging people to, to try new things, to be that risk taker and mm. have new experiences in life that could really change the course of their life as well. Awesome. And I know you love supporting people and uplifting them and, uh, and I want to thank you for that. You've done that. Even when I did my first comedy gig, you showed up. And in fact, <laughs> that was the first time that we, we actually saw each other face yeah, to face. Yeah. Uh, what a great that night. Was, uh, that stuck with me. Uh, but you've you've been that kind of friend ever since. And I absolutely love our friendship. And before we go, it will be remiss of me to not talk to you about food. Because food <laughs> you can't see matt's face it just uh, changed and lit up he's a ma i call him a master chef we've got a um uh, a, a channel with our friends that we uh, share uh, food pics with sometimes and that is very prevalent in that and it is one of the simple pleasures in life we have to do it every day uh, to sustain ourselves but levels above that to really enjoy it there's so much joy and uh, experimentation and things like that that you can do and that you do do 
So what is it about food that is inspiring you to, because you really go the extra distance. Some of the meals that Matt tells me his family has, I think, geez, you order that in a restaurant. So what is it that inspires you about food and, and preparation and making it? I don't, I don't know, really. It's, it's something we all have in common and something that we all share. I don't know some people would be happy eating Soylent Green every day or, you know, very tasteless. I, I don't know. It's just something that I feel that, you know, coming from quite a large family, it was something that we, we'd share, that Sunday roast, that sitting around the table together and, and sharing of the stories. And I, I think sometimes to, to bring an enjoyable dish or to try something new, certainly I try to inspire my children to uh, to involve themselves in cooking. You know, every Sunday night we actually have a, a family meal where we, you know, we're reflective of, of things that have occurred during the week, but we also all contribute as well. And I guess it's that team that you build around food and around the, the dining table and the dining experience that's, that's, um, that's good. And I know just being a bit of a risk taker, trying new things. Um, I am looking forward to trying out my new deep fryer, John, with our chicken wing challenges that we do. Um, so I've got a brand new deep fryer that I'll be bringing to our next event, uh, ready for some, some hot wings. Great, because I've got uh, 10 hot sauces ready to go for that uh, for that auspicious event that we have every now and then. So looking forward to that. So uh, thank you, Matt. Now, I uh, got to ask you, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted me to ask you? No, not really. I wasn't quite sure the way our conversation would go today, so I've quite enjoyed it, John. Hopefully it's uh, some people that uh, listen to us have some good takeaways. I... Um, I did think about what some of your other episodes and some books that you, you talked about. And I, I am not a, an avid reader outside of work. I do find in my day-to-day the, the amount of reading that I do and the amount of reading, uh, information that I consume pushes me to uh, pursuits outside of work where I'm not necessarily reading. Yeah, right. Now, that's interesting, right, because I shared with Matt some sample questions before he came on and I said, could you share a book that uh, inspired you? And his answer back to me was, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I have done a bit of research and there's a book on my uh, Audible or my, my reading list for the future. And I think it's an adaptation or an extract out of, um, is it uh, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul? And the, yes. the book is, If Life is a Game, These are the Rules. I'm not quite sure of the author, but it was a recommendation that coming to me where there's 10 rules about if life was a game of what you should live by. So that's something that as a recommendation to me that I'm passing on to you, but something that I'll be uh, reading up on myself. The other thing too was your your playlist, your Spotify mm. playlist. I'm looking forward yes. to to uh, have have you shared that with 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 us yet? Yeah, it's on all the show notes, and okay. I've mentioned it. And so, thank you for reminding me because I would have had to do it uh, off camera, off uh, off mic. Uh, otherwise, do you have a? song that motivates you that we can add to the Merco motivation playlist I, I have a couple for you to consider don't necessarily need yep. to add these bit of a variety so there's a um you know i know the traditional eye of the tiger i've never found that really a you know a, a it's on a, there a, mate because it's one of mine <laughs> a pump me up song but but some things and and it's, this is quite eclectic so there's the very cheesy don't stop believing by journey that's that's already on there okay yeah, good also i've got you sexy thing by hot chocolate oh i like a bit of hot chocolate it's a bit of self, uh, self-belief you sexy thing so, oh nice right. uh, have you been dancing to that but in, in the past a little bit you know i do tend nice. to have a bit of music playing during my, my work day in the background i did come across a quite unusual so it's not a, a traditional song but it's it's basically a, a an artist who shares a lot of inspirational quotes in a song form all right, so it might be a Spotify. I've got a, a link that I can share with you, but the search phrases that you should search for are, I didn't come this far only to come this far. All right, so it's a recommendation to listen. I didn't come this far to only come this far. Something I was listening to last night in between some of your, uh, your pods and um, something that I recommend that, that you listen into or something that I think could be quite inspirational, something I'll be playing to my children. I'm interested in that, knowing the artist and the song for that, so we can. Uh, I, I, I like the idea of that having inspirational quotes and sayings uh, in a song. Perfect. Yeah. That's 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 what the Merkay Motivation playlist is about. So thanks for reminding me. That last one is, add... is quite different. Very very different from what what you traditionally have in a, a playlist, I guess. But something I think that could be quite good. 
Yeah, good. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, that's what we like. Thank you for that, you sexy thing. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for your generosity. Thanks for who you are in the world. And I'm not the only one that thinks you're absolutely great and want to thank you for uplifting me whenever we have an interaction, whether it's on a podcast or or whether it's uh, face-to-face and in person. Thank you for being you, Matt. Thank you, John. I've really enjoyed our time today and looking forward to our next catch-up. Another incredible episode of Arise and Thrive Conversations for Greatness. I hope this conversation has ignited a fire within you, inspiring you to take bold steps towards your own path of greatness. Guess what? The journey doesn't end here. There's so much more to explore, learn and achieve. So if you're hungry for more insights, more inspiration and more strategies to fuel your personal and professional greatness, get ready because the next episode is just around the corner. Every Tuesday to be precise, where we'll continue to unravel the secrets to unlocking your extraordinary potential. Don't miss out on the chance to keep rising and thriving with us. Hit the subscribe button and you'll be the first to know when a new episode drops. And remember, greatness is not a destination. It's a continuous journey, so let's embark on it together. Thank you so much for being part of the Rise and Thrive community. It means so much to me that you're listening. And my wish for you is that you get so much out of doing so. Keep reaching for the stars, keep pushing your boundaries and keep embracing the challenges that come your way because that's how we truly grow. Stay tuned, stay motivated and get ready to rise and thrive. If you're finding value from our conversations, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, family and colleagues. Together we can create a ripple effect of positivity, optimism and positive change. Keep shining brightly. Your greatness knows no bounds. And remember, be great and stay awesome.